0: Hey, guys, welcome to another edition of Government to Private, where we talk about the transition out of the government into the private, whether that's military, law enforcement, intelligence community, and everything in between. The purpose of these podcasts is to really give you a window into all of the unique journeys that occur from across a wide variety of people. Usually, a lot of the feedback that we get is, well, you don't know my story, or I have special circumstances. And that's true. You you may have that. You know, but the purpose of these podcasts is to show this really, really diverse set of people with very, very different experiences across the spectrum who are succeeding when they transition to the private sector. And so our intent is to hopefully encourage you as you are on this transition journey yourself and show you that it can be done from a variety of different perspectives. So without further ado, our guest for tonight is Stephanie McCluskey. And she has a background in local law enforcement and recently transitioned to the private sector doing emergency management and business continuity. Stephanie, we're super happy to have you with us tonight. Thank you for being on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Well, let's let's go ahead and get started. So, you know, um, before we jump into your transition, why don't you give us a little bit of background about your background and your law enforcement experience and what you did and how you got into it?
1: Yeah. Um, I talked with my hands so prepare, but, um, so, um, I would bring it all the way back to, um, college days. Um, so I did go to college. So I had that in my back pocket as we look forward at the transition piece, but, um, I had a grandfather that was law enforcement and I worked private security, uh, during breaks from school in downtown Portland. And so I was surrounded by retired cops connecting with like the current law enforcement that was downtown and it was very normal for me. Um, But that being said, not my plan at all to become a police officer. (laughs) Um, I went to school for public health. I wanted to do public policy. I thought I was gonna get a master's degree. I was like all in on college. And um, then my son joined my life and I was a single parent. And uh, all of a sudden things got real really fast and I had to figure out what I was gonna do for my grown-up job. So I did graduate college. And immediately uh, became a sheriff's deputy. So I graduated in June and my first day was mid-August. So timing was on my side <laughs> in that respect. <laughs> and uh, and then I just rolled into being a patrol deputy. I, uh, you know, I spent some years working like night shifts on some of the busier routes. And I really loved that. Um, I loved the speed and the cadence, um, but it was very strange to be doing that at night and then during the day coming home to a 2 3 year old you know child and navigating all the childcare and fortunately my family is local incredibly supportive um but i was living it was like felt like two different lives like it was very separate being at home and then being at work um and i was also a you know i was young i was gosh i think i was 24 when i started um and when i joined the agency i Think with my joining, we became 4% female on patrol. So I was definitely an outlier. Um, and I surely felt that like weight of proving myself and, you know, pulling my own weight, right. Cause kind of have you, you're going to have different skills. That's I'm going to say the quiet part out loud as a female officer, you have different skills. Um, I'm going to rely on different skills than my, my male counterparts. And I have to make sure um, for my own self, that I'm like holding my end of the bargain, that I'm showing up, I'm covering, that I'm staying, you know, very honed on what I'm good at. Um, and what that led me into was investigations. I loved doing um, investigative work, uh, specifically involving children, uh, no surprise. Uh, and so after, you know, working patrol and kind of doing the bump every six months, and you kind of be thrown around at different shifts, and gosh, it is so impossible with a family and with small children. Um, Like I said, I had supportive family, but it was still just so difficult, Um, but managed that for several years. And um, I did choose to work some of the contracts in the contract cities in the county. Uh, And what came of that, which was really fortuitous for me, was training. Um, Those cities were funded much better, and I was able to get into the trainings that I wanted to do. And if you look at like my Iris printout, I I did all the training. (laughs) Um, I (laughs) learned everything. And um, so I spent some time in some cities and then culminated with my last couple of years working in a city, but also being a school resource officer. Um, And during that time, I was really able to focus on taking cases involving uh, children, you know, child victims, but also, you know, underage perpetrators. um, And really, really loved that. Um, But what threw a big old wrench into all of it was um, obviously in like 2019, 2020, we opened into the pandemic and then we did have, you know, riots in downtown Portland and I wasn't working in Portland, but I was adjacent and it really just kind of bubbled up all of these thoughts and kind of a, an internal reckoning of, wow, this is, this is a lot. And it was really, I think for a lot of people, a real reset on perspective and thinking about what we're doing with our time and with our lives.
0: Wow. Yeah. I definitely empathize with the pandemic and the the introspection that it really brought to all of us, because no matter whether you believe in, you know, what happened or the vaccine and all that stuff, there's no, there's no doubt that it impacted every single one of us in very profound ways. And um, I know quite a few people who heavily, heavily considered way before they ever thought they would, whether law enforcement was still the long-term goal they thought it was, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, is it was, it was interesting because I did, and, you know, and in, in knowing we were going to talk tonight, really started thinking about what was my catalyst and what brought me to, to needing to leave or looking for other options. And, um, you know, I'd almost forgotten that feeling of, it really, I felt really deeply that my integrity uh, was not in line with what was being asked of law enforcement during the pandemic. Um, You know, I, being the school resource officer, I was getting calls from people saying kids are outside playing in the field. You need to go there. That's against the law. They can't do that. And I'm just like that. I I can't, I can't, and I won't. Um, So it became this real discussion about, you know, as, a representative of the community in law enforcement, but also being an agent of the government, and really that tension point of being asked to do things that I wasn't willing to do. It didn't didn't go in line with what I thought was the right thing.
0: Wow, I uh, I can't imagine being being put in that position. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> that makes me just shake my head in disbelief. You know, to be mm-hmm. quite honest. So, were there any other catalysts? beyond, beyond that, that really contributed to your decision?
1: Yeah, it was, you know, the timing was a lot of things kind of came together at once. Um, I, you know, I started to really start to hit that ceiling where I had promoted all the way up to this top step deputy position. And so the next steps were things like if I wanted to put in to become a sergeant, which um, anyone that's familiar knows that puts you right at the very bottom of the list again, where you're maybe working night shifts and weekends again. Um, and, and not for really that much more pay, um, right. from what it asks of you. Um, and then there's, you know, we do have, you know, the detective level promotion promotions that were an opportunity as well. Um, but again, you know, I, I, did try that process and I just really felt like the bureaucracy was so crushing when it came to promoting, when it came to what the opportunities were. Um, Cause I did, you know, I did have, I was very curious. I'm like, you know, what is the process? Is it objective? Is it subjective? How can I, you know, make my, prepare myself for these opportunities? And I really felt like there was just a lot of mixed messaging and it wasn't such an objective opportunity, like the merit, there was merit. And then there was kind of bureaucracy and it, it, it didn't sit right with the way it was being handled and for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I, uh, I, I, I still keep coming back to my mind and, you know, going back to that decision of, hey, there's kids outside playing, go do your job, you know, yeah. and <laughs> yeah, that's that definitely brings up a, an ethical conundrum that you were forced to decide, hey, you know, what is my job and how far am I willing to go to, you know, appease one master versus the master over here, you know? Yeah. And-
1: that was that was it still is something that i think a lot of us wrestle with is the idea of law enforcement as as being a representative of their community and doing what the community asks of them doing the hard stuff the scary stuff to keep everyone safe um but then also you know the, it is an arm of government the government can't reach in and say this is what we want you to do and i really appreciated being a deputy being you know working for somebody that was you know voted for um, versus appointed that that fit for, you know, my my beliefs of what the way I like policing. I think community policing is the core of of what we should be doing. Um, but I it's it's tough also because I'm so thankful there are still people willing to police. <laughs> um, it certainly is not, you know, we need it. We need, you know, really talented um, and brave law enforcement officers. Um, unfortunately, you know, our society, we put them in a really tough position.
0: Yeah, we, we force our, our law enforcement officers to to really be everything to everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, we want them to be counselors. We want them to be social workers. We want them to be the law enforcement. We want them to to do almost every single job, you know, but we also want them to do it our way. You know, you also
1: be superhuman, have superhuman strength have, you know, be, be able to, to run faster than you know anyone else. And, um, yeah. And what we, yeah, what we asked is it's just not, it's not reasonable. And I think that's the other kind of catalyst piece that came out for me was with the way that, you know, politics is going and the things we were seeing on the news. And it was, even if I am doing the, if, even if I'm doing the right thing, uh, I could still lose my job or I can still get sued. Um, because, of this big buzzword that started getting introduced with those optics. yeah, um, And so kind of all those things come together left me in that kind of churning of, it's not feeling worth it anymore. It's feeling like I certainly need an income, but maybe this isn't the right way to, to get it for me. Um, and then I, I also have to acknowledge um, I did get married. And so I, had that on my side and that I wasn't a single income household anymore and my husband's in the military. So we have, you know, his medical benefits. And I know a lot of times that's what keeps us in law enforcement is those really solid benefits. Right. Um, And so those were kind of some things that were introduced, you know, over those couple of years where things were turning, where suddenly the things that were keeping me there no longer were required.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. So From a transition perspective, you know, we've talked about what kind of started propelling you away from law enforcement, but what was your mindset like about the transition? Like, how are you preparing for it and kind of getting a sense of what does this even look like?
1: I, I gotta say, I went in pretty uneducated. I, um, I didn't have contacts in the private sector world. I didn't have, you know, friends that were successful in private industry, um, my mom's a nurse, so she was part, part of a union. So she, you know, she didn't have that experience, My as a truck driver, also a union. So I didn't have people around me. And then, like I said, my husband's in the military. So I had all of these kind of government type working people. <laughs> um, and so I, I didn't know exactly what I was getting into. Um, I Googled how to, how to put my resume together. Um, I listened to podcasts about people that were pivoting. Um, podcasts like this one, um, you know, what, how do I do this? Um, but I really, um, I, I leveraged some experiences I had in law enforcement that were more law enforcement adjacent. Um, you know, I did some leadership Uh, work through the county, for example, and that was something I leaned on really heavily in my resume and in preparing for what I would talk about, because I did have an awareness that the things I would use in an interview internal to law enforcement were very different anecdotes than I could share in the private sector. Um, uh, And so I I knew I had to, I don't want to say water down, but you you do have to to polish. You have to polish what you're going to share. Um, for your audience you know I had to take uh things out of my resume or I chose to take out of my resume things that were that talk about you know sexual assault investigations or you know child victims of crime like things that I thought would potentially trigger any negativity in a reader's mind because I was thinking about what feeling do I want them to have because they might forget about me altogether because of what I had in there brought up something completely separate for them
0: I love that you know um that's something that I, I recommend to everyone that I talk to is really know your audience, you know, and also recognize the key differences between interviewing in front of like a law enforcement panel versus someone in the private sector. Because you know, law enforcement, we there's certain expectations. We tend to think the same. We tend to talk the mm-hmm. same. You know, there's that common language, that common culture, and you know, there's a lot that we can do and potentially, you know, say that would be thought of in a different light outside of that culture. And, you know, when you're in those corporate interview settings, you don't know who you're interviewing with. For the most part, you may not know their background. And even if you do know their background, you don't want to assume Mm -hmm. on any experience that they have. And so it's really, really important to come across as a very professional individual who is Attempting to transition out of a field that not a lot of people understand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're going to have their own potential biases or prejudices with someone from law enforcement coming to interview with them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. obviously, no one's looking for perfection, but you do want to ensure that you're not potentially feeding that misperception that they may have about what you do. And, maybe a negative experience that they have of law enforcement or anything like that. And all of that makes for a very kind of overwhelming, you know, Mm -hmm. sense of like, well, like, what do they want from me? You know, like,
1: yeah. And, and, you know, I think that I, I was fortunate too, and that I was, I applied for a job um, and where I ended up getting a job is in aerospace with a very heavy defense branch. And so my, you know, my hiring manager was prior military. Um, and so, yes, and so I think it's it, it is that is a that is a strategy is to target companies that maybe will have more of a military or law enforcement slant. They're going to understand your language. They're going to prioritize hiring people that have that background. Um, so I think that's kind of one of the cheat codes is to to look for those sorts of companies that are serving the community you're coming from.
0: Absolutely, I couldn't I agree more. And you know, when I'm coaching people on LinkedIn best practices and how to job search effectively, I always tell them like, hey, this is how you find people at the company that you want to work for. But I also go one step further and say like, you want to increase the likelihood of those individuals responding to you on LinkedIn. So look for the people who have a shared background. So if you're coming from law enforcement, look for the people who are at that company with a law enforcement background you know, mm-hmm. because they're going to be much more likely to answer a message or hop on a phone call because you have that shared fam- familial background. And, you know, most guys who are coming out of law enforcement or the military, they're not going to be too gung ho about, you know, people just messaging them cold on yeah. LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, when you come from the same background, like we're brothers, we're sisters, we've we're, we had that family environment. And so, you know, the likelihood is increased that, Hey, I'm coming out of law enforcement. I see you're in law enforcement. I'd love to work at that company. I, you know, do you have any advice for me? You know, far more likely to get a response from that scenario versus mm-hmm. just picking someone out of the blue and just sending off a message.
1: Yeah. And I think that, um, we really underestimate people's willingness to help. And that's been something that's been a huge, like eyes wide open experience for me is, you know, I kind of, stumbled my way into my initial and not that I wasn't qualified, but I wasn't, I wasn't like targeted with my strategy and like, I'm going to nail this. This is my goal. It was, it was, I want to, I want to do emergency management, which is what I transitioned initially into, because it seemed very seamless from law enforcement. And then, you know, got hired into this role with this aerospace company. And, um, and then once I was kind of settled into that role, I started learning and networking and it was like, Oh, wait a second. Everyone wants to help. Um, I, you know, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I also think that when you come from law enforcement, and this was something that was one of those kind of tension points when I joined this company, was um, how many people kind of want to be in your business um, because they want to know you. Uh, yeah. I think my experience in law enforcement, there's a lot more barriers, a lot more boundaries. Um, you have your people that you trust, and it's probably because you you went through some stuff together, saw some stuff together. Um, and those, you know, those people are kind of in your circle, but others are not. And they're very firmly not, you know, you're not, you're not sharing about your, your family and the things you value with people outside that circle. And when I moved into the private sector role, um, I felt so uncomfortable. I remember just sitting there, um, cause every Friday we would do this team meeting and the boss would ask, what are your weekend plans? And I remember just being like, why do you want to know? <laughs> like, <that's laughs> what, like, why do you need something from me? Yeah. <laughs> like." <laughs> do you need coverage like but um you know you get into that space where it can feel really uncomfortable but i think in my experience now where it's really coming from is that folks want to know you so they can champion you so that they can push you forward and help you and get you connected because it feels good to help people um and i think we're all familiar with that from law enforcement um and the way that that manifests in the private sector is let me introduce you to this person hey i think you're great you would you would like this person or this role would be good for you or you know and really trying to leverage those relationships because that's how we can help now.
0: Absolutely. I not agree more. You're, uh, <laughs> you're basically just speaking my language. Um, how, what was your hiring process like, you know, how did you kind of prepare for that? And how did you, you know, potentially deal with maybe imposter syndrome mm-hmm. or anything like that as you learn more about the role?
1: You know, I I did not struggle with imposter syndrome, but I'll I'll tell you why. Um cuz I had kind of a mantra that I um cuz I remember getting really nervous when I would have to go in the beginning testify, right? Of testifying for, you know, criminal charges and you have this judge that seems like omniscient and but through experience like working with DAs and thinking these people are just so incredible and like so much better than everyone else and like they're great, but they're just people. Um, And so I think it was, you know, I would root myself in that. And, you know, when the DA would come out to my death investigation and he, you know, was wearing his like zip up jacket and just came from soccer or whatever with his kids, like these are just normal people. Um, And so that was kind of what I had running through my head with the hiring process is these are just people and they need another person to come in and do a job for them. And I think I can learn to do anything. So (laughs) I'm like, I, you know, I'll do it. I'm willing. (laughs) So, so I think that that was the key for me was, you know, we're all just people.
0: You know, I, I don't think I've ever heard someone just say it that way. And it just really resonates with me, you know, because at the end of the day, that, that is so true. You know, we, we just need someone to fill a job and I think I can do it. So I'm going to learn what I can. I'm going to ask for help. You know, I'm going to swallow my pride and I'm going to do the job, you know, and it sounds so simplistic, but it's so true. And uh, I just really appreciate you saying that because that definitely resonates with me. So, can you tell people like what your first ninety days were like?
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I skipped over the the interview process, but it was just a panel interview. That was what, that was what got me in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then once I was there, um, it was middle of COVID. So I um, came in in January of 21 and it was closed office doors, full masking, full distancing. And so I came into an office where the only people really present was like the security and fire operations. And then there was a full manufacturing outfit going on. And so it was very interesting, but I I think it was in my favor, honestly, (coughs) that things were so new and funky for everyone that I just got right in the flow with everyone else. So I guess we're learning every day kind of what we're doing. Um, And also the the guy that had taken, so I I, I think I was not the first choice on this hiring process to be fully transparent because they had hired someone else like a month prior and um, they had no, like they had made it through about one week and then just left all their stuff on the desk and set them out. So I will say one thing I think that we have on our side being, you know, government workers is we're used to being pretty overworked. Um, we see like a time and a half workload is like normal and people calling us in the middle of the night or asking us to stay late doesn't hurt our feelings. Like we're like, oh, that seems right. Okay. <laughs> Which eventually <laughs> we got to build our boundaries, but it's um, you know, coming into that role as emergency management, we were doing COVID work. Um, and so I was, you know, working and on call, um, most of the time we would rotate on a very small team, but I was, you know, putting together presentations and facilitating calls on weekends and nights. Um, and then when we had major weather events, which we did have, um, my very first month there, um, I was, (laughs) so my very first month there, we had this huge ice storm, uh, in our area, which shut down manufacturing, which is a really big deal, um, because it's critical products that are going out to customers and kind of part of that that chain. And so uh, when we do that, I learned that the company will do like 4am meetings. Um, and I learned it was my job to build the deck and facilitate those meetings. <laughs> so Um, my very first month there, uh, our house was completely out of power and we're actually in the middle of moving. And so we were in a hotel. So I'm in a hotel bathroom at four in the morning. I'd gotten up at three to like, make sure my deck was all up to date. And I'm facilitating this meeting from a hotel bathroom at four in the morning. Um, but what I will say to give all of you hope that are looking at like, oh, that sounds terrible. I'll just stay with law enforcement is that I did get a big old bonus check for doing that. And so that's the beauty of the private sector
0: is yeah. that Amen. you're
1: valuable and it's not that they just say you're valuable, they pay you.
0: Amen. I, I love that. <laughs> that's awesome. So what, what are some of the things that have surprised you about working in the private sector?
1: Um, a pleasant surprise has been, um, like I said, all of the connections and you know people willing to help you. Um, something that is exciting, but also can be a little overwhelming is that you can go out and learn how to do anything. You can put your target on any role that you want. And I'm coming from a huge company. So when I think about it, I, I can really go anywhere, but the company will support you. They will say, Hey, learn how to do the thing. Do it for us. Make our processes better. Make us money and we'll pay you money and we'll put you in the role. So really the, you, your opportunities just are endless, uh, when it comes to private sector work, which like I said, it's good, but it can feel a little overwhelming of like, oh, I'm really in charge here. Um, and so, so I would just kind of be aware of that <laughs> um, and, and that it's not a, you know, you don't just hit one track and go to it necessarily. Um, you know, I mentioned I went to emergency management, but less than a year later, I transitioned into a project management role with business continuity. Um, and that was, you know, and I got a project management certificate during that time because I got into the company, looked around, saw... Where opportunities were, saw where remote work was available, um, and, exactly. and really, yeah. And then I did the thing. I said, okay, they want me to know how to do these things. I'm going to learn how to do them, and then I'm going to apply. And plus, I have my networking on my side at that point because these people have seen my work product for the last year. Um, and so that, that. that's where things—the momentum. I think the momentum really starts to build there.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. So, what do you, what do you do? What do you do in your current role?
1: Uh, so this, I, I work in business continuity and so right. critical, critical programs get business continuity plans and I project manage the maintenance and testing of all of those plans enterprise-wide. So it's a, it's global.
0: Gotcha. So you're, are you doing all the business impact analyses and all that?
1: So we don't, not yet. We're starting one soon. <laughs> um, so, uh, we've done, that's been established because it is such a heavy lift. Um, but it's really looking at the critical, the critical assets, whether it's, you know, people, physical things, places, suppliers, and then really looking at where is the risk in those things? What are the things you can do when those are not available to you, or there's a disruption and kind of building in just that agility and resilience within those processes. Oh,
0: that sounds And I'm fun. trying not
1: to get too like into the, the language of it. <laughs>
0: So what, what, what beyond you know the the certifications the networking and stuff like that what has really enabled you to be successful over the past couple of years out of law enforcement
1: um you know I think one thing um, and I was thinking about this earlier was uh, do you remember like sitting around the briefing table and everyone would say like what's the worst thing they did in the last 24 hours like the mess up the screw- up I can't yep. believe that just happened um so that, being comfortable with that, you are, you're going to immediately stand out in the private sector, um, being comfortable immediately saying a lessons learned or, Hey, this is not going well. Like I need a second set of eyes. Um, I think that's something in law enforcement we get super comfortable with because we're on a team. It's you go, you got to laugh or you're, you're not going to enjoy your life. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, That was something that I think has really um, given me a lot of momentum to where I want to be is that I have very overtly asked a lot of questions. I've brought ideas forward without feeling like it needed to be perfect or, you know, being okay. It's like, here's my idea. I think it's great, but you might not. And that's okay. Um, So I think kind of that willingness that we have to really just go with the flow, but also fully show up as ourselves. I think that bias toward action that law enforcement has, I mean, there's a lot of amazing people in the private sector, but you're going to stand out. <laughs> um, you know, not being a person that gets on autopilot, being a person that does ask questions and and, and can lean into friction. Somebody that can lean into, oh, this is like, there's some tension here. Like, let's figure it out. Um, that's something we bring to the table that is unique, I think, to to that background.
0: I love that. Yeah, you know, especially like in the bias for action, obviously I've heard before, but the lean into friction aspect um, I've never heard that before, and I'm, I think I want to put that on a T-shirt. To be quite <laughs> honest, like I, I love that that phrase and and what it represents. Uh, so, what what advice would you have for people who are either in the transition process now or considering getting out of the government and doing something different?
1: Um, I think you know the first thing really is to make those connections. Um, I would say, and and like we talked about people will get on the phone with you. I've gotten on the phone with a ton of people. Um, you and I connected because I shared on, on my LinkedIn that I have a law enforcement and suddenly all these people were messaging me saying, Hey, I I might want to do that too. (laughs) Um, not ready to like come out with it, but I'm thinking, um, so I think, so do that. I said yes to every single person that asked me to get on the phone, to look at their resume, um, to talk about my experience. And, and not to say everyone's going to say yes, but I, I think they might, <laughs> we're exactly. a community that wants to help. Um, so I would definitely say that. And then, you know, like I talked about the, the things, the things that I valued and that I need for like this, the framework of my life, like think about, you know, how much money you need to make and, and benefits and those kind of boring things. But I think that is really key is to know what you need in order to get out and live comfortably um, and not be regretful, (laughs) you know, at least, you know, be taking care of the things you need to take care of. Um, and then, and just be being open, I think being open to to feedback. Um, and then the resume piece, um, and you look at resumes, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes.
1: I would definitely say leverage somebody that does that. Um, because I am certainly not the expert. Um, you know, when I was doing first passes for folks though, something that I did notice from law enforcement is that a lot of times we tend to go with like the templates that are online, which is what I did. Um, but as I've learned and grown, um a lot of that is not serving us uh, <laughs> as far as putting our our experience into, you know, into story and into a resume. Um, and so I, I, that leads to another thing. I would practice the storytelling piece. Um, you know, that's what came up to me on my panel interview. It's what came up to me on my other interview when I, my, my current role, um, is being able to tell the story and tell the story of your law enforcement and why you're leaving. People are going to want to know. Um, and you don't have to tell them everything. You don't even pour your heart out, but I think knowing what is the story you want to share. Um, and using it in a way to, to leave them with the impression you want that hiring team to have or that you know, networking group to have.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that because, you know, I think so many times from an integrity perspective, we want to be really super transparent and super honest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this may be an unpopular opinion, but not everyone needs to know your story. You know, and you know, from a from a private perspective, you know, no one is doing the types of really, really comprehensive background investigations that we're used to in law enforcement. You know, no one's gonna pull your internal affairs file, no one's gonna look at all Mm -hmm. your complaints or anything like that. You know, they're gonna look at primarily was person A at this company from point A to point B? You know, that's Mm -hmm. gonna be the extent of what they verify. And so Um, you know, if you were involuntarily separated from law enforcement, if you were terminated for whatever reason, you don't have to give people the whole story about why that happened. You know, obviously, obviously if it's criminal, that's something else, you know, but if it was administrative or something like that, like there is no expectation to pour your heart out on Mm -hmm. why you were separated, you know? And so I think it really is important to understand, okay, what am I going to say when people ask me? You know, am I going to say I left for a better work-life balance? Am I mm-hmm. going to say that you know this wasn't you know the the job demands weren't really jiving with my family at the time? You know, I wanted yeah. more for my life. Like there, there, there really isn't a wrong answer here. You know, mm-hmm. but you don't have to, you know, pour your heart out so to speak. And yeah. you know, from a res from a resume perspective, you know the. What I would say is, you know, when I transitioned out, I went through multiple resume writers and what I was really looking for was someone who understood me and they understood, they understood my background. They, I didn't have to explain what a search warrant was or anything like that. And I think that's really what I, I spend probably a large majority of my time doing is helping people understand that their skills are directly translatable to the private sector. But mm-hmm. just because you reach out to, I'm going to use, you say, top resume, for an example, and they say, oh, we can definitely do your resume. They most likely won't be able to because unless they've worked in law enforcement or they've worked in the mm-hmm. military or wherever you come from, they will never understand what the day in and day out consists of and be able to really help you sell yourself to the private sector. Mm-hmm. And the second aspect is, you know there are people besides myself in this space who do what i do but really do your due diligence you know really talk to people about hey what was your experience with that person like what was the process because you know you can have a really great process and then you get to the end and you get this product but that product can fall flat on its face mm-hmm. you know and it doesn't matter how good the process was with whoever you worked with if the product they gave you doesn't work and so yeah. you know, go, go ahead.
1: I was just what you're saying, it also brings up for me um a, a memory from when I was leaving. Um, because I did leave with um with a raise. I left making and made more money immediately upon leaving law enforcement. Um but some something that brought up is, you know, when I was talking to my peers was we all have a, a very similar resume. Um and you know, I just found a way to talk about it or to write it where it the value was shown. Um, and so I think one of the the things to be aware of too, as you're writing your resume is you're writing your resume for the private sector. They don't have the same standard and not to say it's a lower standard, but there's like a standard within law enforcement. You're like, well, everyone can write a search warrant. Everyone can testify in front of a judge and in front of a lawyer that's tearing you apart. Um, everyone can put together a sting operation and do all the risk analysis. Um, and that's just not true. When you leave your pool, those, those values and, or those skills, you have to shine a light on them because it's not a given, you know, those people right. outside of that circle don't know that you can do all those things.
0: Yeah. Hey, hey, Amen. I, I could not agree more. So before we, before we close for the evening, you know, you recently, you know, started your own business and I'd love to talk about that a little bit. So why don't you give us a, a background on what precipitated that and, and what you're trying to do?
1: Yeah. Thank you. So, um, Steph McCluskey coaching. So I shortened my name because my, my friends call me Steph. <laughs> um, so I, I just finished a coaching program and what started it is because I was doing coaching without a certification, right? I had a bunch of people calling me and asking me for help. Um, especially women that were connected with law enforcement or military. Um, and then unfortunately a lot of those women are also connected with family court, um, with divorce and, you know, mixed, you know, uh, blended households and all of the things that come up with that. So there's just a lot of, seems like a lot of stuff in the way of choosing the life you want to live. And so I started coaching and and figured, you know, I should probably get a certification and and make this legit. Uh, And so, so yeah, I launched that and I, you know, I'm doing some consulting work. Um, I do, you know, career development work, but I really, and I also just love working with specifically, you know, mothers and, and wives and people that are trying to figure out how to do it all because we kind of are asked to do it all right now, <laughs> um, but yeah, but figuring out you know, what's your path and and it, that actually ties into something else that came up for me when you were talking about you know telling your story and how much of your story you want to tell and um, I, something I'd offer is thinking about you know if you're leaving to to this new chapter, is it such a great time to reassess who you want to be, um, what values you're going to bring to the table, what your focus is going to be. Um, and I guess as like a little asterisk to that, like coaches can help you with that. Um, coaches can help you figure out who you want to be and how you want to show up in your life, um, and get that path from where you're at to where you want to be. Um, but even if you're not going to work with a coach, it is so worth it to take the time and, and think about, you know, as you're pivoting into this new career space. Um, you don't have to be the same person if you're super stressed and overworked and like everything's a crisis. And because a lot of us like we're so burnt out at the end of your law enforcement career and you don't have to be that way anymore. And so take that opportunity and that time to choose to be different as you move forward in that pivot.
0: Oh, man, I I feel like you've been listening to me as I coach people lately. (laughs) But, you know, that is so true because I think a lot of us who when we come out of law enforcement or any other aspect we seek out things that are a really good parallel to what we've done before. You know because obviously it's going to be easier we already have a background in it. But you know this is a this is really a chance to reinvent yourself. You know this is mm-hmm. really a chance to look out there and say okay what jobs are out there both familiar to me and unfamiliar what did the, what does the day-to-day look like? You know, could I be happy doing something else that I've never considered before? And I see a lot of people making those types of decisions because, you know, they've never been offered that opportunity to do that before. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the biggest things that I tell, you know, the people that I chat with on a daily basis is widen your aperture, you know? Yes. And just have this wide open, you know, window, if you will, of I'm going to do some research. I'm going to talk to some people and I'm really going to get a sense of that job looks cool. But do I really know what it consists of, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and and vice versa, like, oh, that job looks boring. But do I really know beyond the job description what it actually consists of, you know, and a lot of people have jumped into program managers or project managers or, you know, security specialist, or, you know, whatever the case may be, like, this is really your chance to say, what do I want for my life? And obviously, it needs to meet the quality of living from a compensation perspective, you know, which is a limiting factor in certain cases, you know, but I really, really agree with what you just said, Stephanie, about, you know, really take a hard look at what it is you want to do, what you're looking for, and the entire, like, Does this align with my work-life balance? What does my stress level look like? You know, what do I really want from this next job beyond the intangibles, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, really, really awesome. So what, I know you mentioned that you're, you know, you're primarily targeting women and um, you mentioned, you know, just helping them figure out what's next or how to juggle Mm -hmm. everything that they're doing, you know, within the span of their own lives. Are you, do you have any specific, I guess, skill sets or any specific um, areas that you're trying to target with your business? Or are you just starting off pretty general? So
1: right now I'm pretty general. I mean, I have several clients that are um, women in leadership. So doing career development, coaching um, in leadership roles. And then I have some clients that I've worked with through um, like unfortunately, divorce proceedings and doing, you know, parenting plans and custody. And that is just such a critical time in your life. Um, so please work with someone if you're going through that. Um, and then uh, also just uh, people that I know, because um, I am connected with, you know, military and law enforcement, people I know that are just trying to figure out being purposeful, being purposeful in our lives. Um, you know, having gone through that journey myself, my life looks completely different than it looked two and a half years ago. And I love it. Um, but I never would have imagined myself with the cadence that I have right now. Cause I was, I was just full on, you know, in the life I was living at that time. And so, um, I just, yeah, love working with anyone who's, who's looking for something different or, you know, more purpose and just aligning with whatever their core self is. Cause a lot of times we get out of touch with our core selves because we're serving everyone around us <laughs> and we kind of forget ourselves.
0: Especially when you're a parent, you know, especially oh, yeah. <laughs> when you're juggling, you know, the weight of the world. You know, you can mm-hmm. sometimes lose yourself. You you can lose your marriage. You know, you can yeah. lose a lot of things. And, you know, yeah, this is this is a really important time to kind of reorient yourself and establish a mm-hmm. foundation and a baseline. Um, so if people are interested in, in doing, a, you know, a free consult with you or or mm-hmm. however you do it, how are they supposed to get in contact with you?
1: Uh, so com. It is on my LinkedIn page. So if you connect with me on LinkedIn, Um, But yeah, just stephmcclusty.com. And I do free consults Um, and I love to talk to people. So you can probably tell I'm a talker. Uh, So connect with me. We'll chat.
0: Well, it really, really helps if you're friendly and you like to laugh. You got both of those checked right off. Yeah. So um, we'll have a good time. Exactly. Well, Steph, I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for, for just volunteering, you know, your vulnerability and, you know, your story and your journey. It's been a pleasure to kind of listen to you and to, you know, pick out similarities, but also differences because you have a really, really unique journey. And I know people are really going to really resonate with with what you said, but thank you so much for just volunteering to participate. And I just wish you the best of luck.
1: Of course. Thank you so much. And hopefully people connect with me, call me. If this resonates with you, send me a message. We'll chat.
0: Oh they de- they definitely will they definitely will but thank you so much Steph appreciate right. it thank you all right bye bye